You're listening to Peace in Lovecast, a podcast about music, lyrics, and life lessons inspired by D'Angelo. With yours truly, Odelia. So I interrupt your regularly scheduled programming to bring you yet another new segment that I will be doing as part of Peace and Lovecast moving forward. This new segment is called D'Angelo Taught Me. I can remember in music class back in high school, how much time we spent learning about Mozart and Beethoven. And back then I used to think how lucky those people were to hear Mozart's Requiem and D minor or any of Beethoven's piano concertos live. So understand that we are living in the time of D'Angelo. I literally feel like he too should be in essential study and music program. Last season, we went down a rabbit hole based off of D'Angelo's 2014 Afropunk set list, learning about songs and musicians that I wasn't familiar with prior. For this episode, I've invited a special guest who will elaborate on how D'Angelo's artistry influenced his own art. So today, I'm going to be talking with Danny G of Danny G and the Major Sevens, a soul band hailing from Dublin, Ireland. Danny G and the Major Sevens project, The Lookout, features a tribute to the GOAT, D'Angelo, but we'll get into that later. Welcome to Peace and Love Cast, Danny G. Yeah. <laughs> Woo! It's so, it's so uh, great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Okay, so an Irish soul group. Can you can you talk about that? Can you can you share the backstory and how Danny G and the Major Sevens came to be? Yeah, so I set up the band about eight years ago, and at that time there was there was not really like Ireland has changed a lot. Like even in the last five years, now there's a lot of people doing hip hop, R and B, uh, neo soul, and and the the genre walls have kind of come down, and it seems like people are just digging whatever they dig, and there's no like oh I'm I'm a rocker. I only like rock. You know, I'm I'm indie. I only like this, or I only like this. So there's a lot of. I feel like the the Irish public have really opened their minds, and I don't know if that if that has anything to do with a lot of the immigration, maybe that Ireland has experienced over the past fifteen to twenty years, and we have a lot of second generation immigrants or children of immigrants. I mean, I am one myself. <laughs> uh, just yeah. a less less obvious one. My father's from the Netherlands. Um, he came over in the seventies. Um, but yeah, like I'm a white Irish guy and I'm, I'm doing soul music. So there used to be a lot more eyebrows raised and now it's just like, oh, okay, cool. You know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's hear what you got. Um, so I feel like Ireland has changed a lot, but the, I do get a, a kind of surprised reaction from people from the States. Um, not, a, not in a bad way, just kind of in a, oh, that's, that's funny that you're doing that, you know. Um, because people, Irish music is, is you know, there's a very strong uh, culture of like uh, traditional Irish music and like ballad singing and, um, I, you know, it's not, it's not what people expect. In the tribute song that we're going to discuss, you did an episode covering some of the background to how the song came to be. And in it, you mentioned some of your influences and one of which I was surprised to learn is another uh, eclectic Irish band called Republic of Loose. Is that correct? Oh, man, I love Republic of Loose. They're so, <laughs> such a great band. So underrated. Yeah, you know, I was like, what? And, and you said that they uh, sort of pioneered funk in soul music in Ireland. Um, when no one else was doing it. So can you talk right. about 
Can you elaborate on their style and their influence and, you know, about, you know, how soul music influences you personally? Yeah, so, yeah, Republic of Loose, um, they're a bunch of Irish guys and they they were listening to a lot of hip hop and they were, it, it's funny, like, I only really realized this later at the time, but, but looking back now, that's what they were influenced by. And they were trying to basically write beats that, they were trying to play like Timbaland beats live, basically. Oh. And write, write songs on, on top of that. Um, and at this time in Ireland, again, this would have been late 90s, early 2000s. There was nothing like that. And it was it was very, um, I don't know, it's it it incredibly niche. But for me, it was just it was just like, wow, we can do this. Like this is this is like a, a guiding, shining light for me, like basically um, that someone from Ireland can can do soul music. And why not? You know, why not? Um, yeah, just just uh, I, I mean, they should have been way bigger. You know, they should have been big in the UK and the States and just the quality of songs, brilliant, uh, you know, pop, soul, funk songs. So, yeah, and, and at that time, I was I was actually in a funk band myself. I, I joined a funk band in college, a nine piece band. It was never going to last. Uh, we were called uh, Mob Fandango. Mob Fandango. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a bunch of music students um, who just came together for a love of funk. But it was it was very kind of... Um, I was I was a backing singer. I was still kind of learning how to sing, um, and I played the flute. I, I I grew up playing the traditional Irish flute, so I would do like flute solos and do some backing vocals. Um, but then when that band fell apart, everyone went their separate ways. I I, I suddenly realized I had all these songs that coming out of me, and I, I didn't have a vehicle for them. So, I, and at that time, I was obsessed with D'Angelo. So I just said, "What? How can I make a band that is as closest as possible to to this music that I <laughs> that I hear?" And um, yeah, so I, I got three three backing vocals, keys, bass, drums, guitar, and you know, tried to just try to do it basically. Yeah, that's the major sevens. That's that's my band. Nice. You know, you did an entire podcast series covering each track off your album, The Lookout, which was released in 2021. Yeah, I mean, I was working on it for five years and when it was done, I just, look, there was no good or bad time. It just had to, it had to come out when it did. But um, I, 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 like, I really like listening to the podcast Song Exploder, where the, the, the host, Rishikesh, uh, he interviews artists about songwriting and how they wrote the song. So I decided to do that for my own album, one song uh, per episode. Uh, just 10 or 15 minutes each talking about the inspirations and I and yeah that's the one that I sent you for for this track so yeah you recorded one per episode so that's 11 episodes because it includes a bonus track and the track that I want to talk about in particular is track five track five is called say when reprise a tribute to D'Angelo now the thing that is special to me about this track is actually the rare D'Angelo sample that you used for it right yeah no I, I was I was like you talk about rabbit holes I was really I was I was Alice in Wonderland you know I was deep I was so deep I think this might have been also before when I was originally writing the song um it might have been before it came out on streaming platforms it did yeah it, so so the the track I'm thinking about is called left and right part two and it's from the Live in Stockholm uh, album. And it, it initially was a bootleg album. And somebody, somebody recorded it 
and he put the whole thing on on SoundCloud, and, I, mm-hmm. and it was just one one file, you know, uh, you know, one hour long file, and, he, and I, I would just go to it whenever whenever I I needed my my hit of mm-hmm. D, and um, it's it's only about twenty seconds in between. It's like an interlude song between left and right. And the next track, I can't even remember what it is now because I was just, whenever this interlude came on, it just floored me. And, you know, and you wouldn't believe that, the, like I spent, you know, I spent so much time searching, trying to find out what this song is called. And um, so it, it kind of transitions from the end of left and right. Um, I don't, you know, you know, that part. Yeah. The things you do. And then, and then it goes hey. This really kind of, and he sings this kind of, uh, it's it's kind of gospel call and response. I can't wait to get you home, you know. And the backing singers answer him. So we 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 started playing it with my band just just as a just as an interlude, and and I would sing something else on top of it. Um, but then when we recorded the album, it just seemed to fit because it was kind of it was following on from a, a from a slower song that I have called Say When mm-hmm. like a, a ballad I'm not gonna stop till you say when and it kind of goes in from that um, uh, I ended up using this kind of groove um, that D'Angelo like I presume he wrote it but then it, it's not on any of his albums and he what what I what I found out later that he does is he takes a lot of old kind of funkadelic or Ohio players or you have some obscure um I don't know some George Clinton song and he will take a horn line from that and just put it in between songs you know so I didn't know if he wrote it or if it was an old soul song basically okay uh, and I, I looked up like a on streaming when it when it landed on streaming services the label is called Eurostar that released it and I t- like I was trying to find out this label like, does it even exist? I couldn't find anything online. Like, there's one in Albania. There's another one in Germany. They're <laughs> called Eurostar. Wow. And I was tr- emailing people, no response. Um, I even contacted uh, one of D'Angelo's backing singers, Jermaine Holmes. I don't know if you know Jermaine Holmes. Of He's, course I know <laughs> yeah, Jermaine Holmes. Oh, oh, of course you do. Yeah, yeah, you do, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, and he's got a great album, actually, him, himself. Um released it a few years ago but yeah i was hitting him up and i think he was kind of getting annoyed because you know who's who's this guy from ireland you know <laughs> in in my dms asking me you know about this obscure d'angelo interlude from stockholm 2000 exactly right uh, and he said he'd ask d but he, he you know he didn't get back to me and uh, i think he was a bit annoyed about, about it to be honest but um i was like look i'm sorry i just i, I need to find out so so anyway at the in the end, I just called the song attributed D'Angelo, just in the in the in the knowledge that if he ever heard it, he would know that it was it wasn't it wasn't me trying to basically steal his his groove, uh, you know that it was done with love and respect, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that's all I that's all I can hope for. Right on. So I would actually like to play a snippet from your podcast that includes a, the piece, the 20-second clip from D'Angelo's 2000 performance in Stockholm. Let's take a listen. Track 5. Say When Reprise. A tribute to D'Angelo. 
This song developed out of jamming out an intro to the song Say When, which is track three on the lookout. We used to play it live, transitioning from this one into the slower song. I took the groove from an interlude that soul singer D'Angelo played at a live gig in Stockholm from the year 2000. I think the album is now on streaming platforms, but at the time it was only on SoundCloud and someone had recorded the gig, bootlegged it, I think, and uploaded it. I remember I used to listen to it regularly and then one day the file was suddenly taken down. It was a sad day. So yeah, that groove happens in between two of his songs and the band only play it for about 20 seconds. We took that idea and played it at our gigs as an intro to Say When, and I never intended to record it for this album. I never actually intended to record it at all because it was an adaptation of someone else's groove. And I tried to contact D'Angelo to ask him whether it was his composition or not, but um, more on that later. So on the podcast, you feature guitarist Jake Curran, who admittedly wasn't familiar with the funky soul guitar styles and actually started diving into gospel guitar players because of this project. Can you talk about how this D'Angelo tribute came together from an instrumental standpoint? Yeah, so uh, Jake was very young at the time. He, he's he's a, he's kind of he's a really in demand session player now. He's he's playing with um with one of uh, One Direction's uh, one of the One Direction singers, Niall Horan. Nice. Uh, at the moment, so he's doing all these big gigs, um, but he's a beautiful player, and I got him in just to because uh, I I'd done a few cover gigs with him, um, and I I I. I knew he he could groove basically. Like he says, like oh, I didn't know anything about about it, but of course he did. Like he was like you can hear you can hear the man play. Um, so yeah, he he talks about being influenced by Prince and then uh, going on YouTube and and listening to to gospel players, um, and just the different chord positions and the different kind of chords uh, that they that they would play. Um, and then yeah, he 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 peppered that on top of my track, which I'm very glad uh, glad for. <laughs> um, yeah, and then then the, the the usual players in my band, like they they're all kind of like I'm really lucky that that they all understand exactly, you know, they 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 love this this music um, and they just want to emulate it with with exactly like me, like with with respect and love and do it properly, you know. Right. And then you mentioned that like a couple of times about covers is, is are cover bands a big thing in Ireland in Ireland yes um it's really difficult to make a living as a musician unless you're doing that um I have a day job um and I'm, I'm also in a wedding band so okay. like every weekend I'm, I'm out on the road in somewhere some hotel um it's like a you know it's 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 kind of um a rite of passage for for Irish weddings you get married, you rent a hotel, you get a band, and then you get a DJ, and it's like music all night long. Uh, it's great, but but you know they 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 don't want to hear original songs; they want to hear famous cover songs that they that everyone knows, right? Right. So so that's kind of the bread and butter of an Irish musician, unless you're really lucky and you get a song on on international radio. 
but Ireland's really Ireland's too small to to kind of count it as a as a market in and of itself that that can support uh, a musician. So yeah, you have to play you have to play cover gigs. Um, so I, at the start, I kind of I didn't really dig it, and now I've met so many great musicians just from doing it. Um, and and you kind of you have a chance to to hone your craft. You know, if you're a singer, you you get to you get to basically practice all the time in in live situations. And if you're lucky, you can only sing songs that you like as well. So I'm I'm in a group that plays a lot of Stevie Wonder and and uh, disco and funk songs. So it's it's fun. You know, it's fun nice. for me. Um, but yeah, you, yeah, you, you got to do it. And uh, that's that's the way it works. That's the way it works here. And then you've mentioned that um, you and the Major Sevens have done entire, was it the entire Voodoo album live? Right. So that that's a bit different because that was a labor of love. I'm pretty sure we lost, <laughs> we, I'm pretty sure we lost money on that. But um, it was just something we all just decided to do. Um, just, just basically because we all loved Voodoo so much um, and wanted to play it. Um, and it became a major obsession. Like I was, so we, we each had songs we had to break down. We had four singers. And I remember I had to kind of dissect uh, the line. Uh, and, and, and by dissect, I mean, re-record every vocal line so that you had to, so that you could send it to the other vocalist. Like this is your line, this is your line, this is your line. And arrange it for four parts, even though there's about 24 parts. You know, wow. Um, we, we, we arranged it for four parts uh, just for the live kind of limitations of a live band. And like, I swear, I've never, it was so difficult. Try, like I, I was listening to the same thing over and over again. Like, what is he singing there? Like there's so many things happening at the same time. And it was just an education for me. Like this is how, I don't know. So it, was, it was like a different world, you know, because in my early twenties, I was obsessed with Marvin Gaye and Motown and Stevie Wonder. Um, but then when I heard D'Angelo, it was just, it was just something, it was, it was on the same, it was in the same world as that, but it was like, you know, this is next level. It was next with, level with like hip hop grooves and, and then the harmonies. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I, I didn't understand, but I, I wanted to understand, you know, and, and this was like a, a, so this is kind of the best education I could, I could ever, ever have as a singer is to do these songs live study them learn them and uh, do do them live and i was so deep in it um i was telling you like i was having dreams i was dreaming about like i had this i was so vivid and i i never remember my dreams never wow um but this was at the time this was i think it might have been 2011 or it was just before his 2012 comeback when he started playing festivals um and touring again and you know i was really worried for for his for his health um and again I, like this is i didn't really know anything about him um i had i only had the the audio like so i was buying his records but i didn't even know about the the untitled video can you believe that i i didn't like the the video i only found that that out later but I was just likewise playing. likewise yeah 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 and uh, yeah it's crazy um so yeah and in so my in my dream we were driving around this really nice part of of Dublin again, which is really strange because I live on the opposite side of town, and we were just cruising around talking about music, and I I remember something specifically he said to me that he didn't like playing Send It On live anymore. Yeah, it was so uh, it was so crazy. Like he said, um, 
I don't like playing it live because it reminds me of my son. You know, and it was just like, what? And I woke up and I remembered all this. And I said, what, where does... Um, wow. And I started, I started to sing, send it on. He's like, no, don't, don't, don't sing it. So it was like really, wow. it was really... Yeah, and I remember feeling feeling really bad. Oh no, like I've, I hope I haven't put him in a bad mood, you know. <laughs> um, and I was just going around showing him all the places in Dublin, uh, jamming with him at the end of the night, just getting getting out a few guitars and and singing a few songs together, uh, which is something that, if I had one wish, <laughs> that would be it. Um, but yeah, it's 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 crazy. I think it, I was just living, sleeping dreaming you know every every waking thought was 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 about this gig um, and and these harmonies and these lyrics so i just that must have been the reason you know wow that's a transformative experience it kind of reminds me of um d'angelo talking about he, him having dreams of marvin gay um like reoccurring dreams of marvin gay so have you had any dreams of oh my god yeah 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 no no i don't that's the thing i never remember my dreams i haven't remembered my dreams since it's about 10 years ago um yeah i remember reading about that actually that he was kind of and it scared him a bit um, I, that must have been playing playing into it because i was worried about him at that point and you know we we know the the story that he his health got better and he, he released another album thank you <laughs> yeah um but yeah that was a that was a that was a very intense period of period of my life um that I, I was just, I was so happy, you know, that we're doing those gigs, um, and and the, the, another part of, of of doing those gigs is that there's no ego on stage. Everyone is is pulling in the same direction. They're just trying to make do, do the best version of of these of this great music possible as possible. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and 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 we had yeah we did we did four of them I think four. For 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 voodoo gigs, yeah, there was a, for some reason like because I again another thing, I thought I was the only person in in Dublin who who knew D'Angelo, me and my friends. But then when we did these gigs, people started coming, and it you know it's it seems like there's this kind of community of of like-minded people. So every time we've done it, there's a, there's been this overwhelming amount of like love in the room, you know, um. And people singing along it's just it's just magical yeah that's awesome he uh, his last performance that he did for dave chappelle's um netflix as a joke where he did covers of sly stone um he sounded amazing and he looked amazing as well and so it wow. kind of makes me feel like maybe something's coming soon <laughs> yeah 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 I don't know if you know the backstory or how long you've been listening to the podcast, but I actually got really tuned into D's music after his versus virtual performance. During right. I, yeah, no, I heard you mention that. So I've yet to see him perform live. However, I am grateful that in the short space of time that I've been uh, tuned in, he's performed at Tribeca. Um, he did the Dave Chappelle thing. What else? He did verses. So I was like, just like, okay, I'm getting a lot <laughs> in this short space of time. I was, I was, I was lucky enough to see D'Angelo in 2012 in the Brixton Academy in London when he came over. Nice. Um, and it was, it was part of that European tour. And the just, I remember the excitement building because first he did Sweden, 
he did the Netherlands, he did Paris, um, he did, like he was making his way west, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. And each night I would look, I would, I would like search hashtags and look in social media because this was kind of the first time I'd been able to do that, I suppose, because of social media where you can see little clips of the gigs in the other venues. Because I was like, also remember this was the first time he'd been he'd done anything in about 12 years yeah so i i was like you know is he gonna is he gonna be able to you know walk on stage is he what's his voice gonna be like you know i was, I was really kind of concerned about you know because I, I i remember seeing sly stone um in rotterdam in, in the netherlands in 2009 and he came out and he did he was he did two songs and then he left you know so i was kind of worried about this but then you know, in some of the clips, it just sounded amazing, you know, and I just, it, I just couldn't wait. And it was, it was incredible. It was like a, some sort of, yeah, it was like a religious experience. Um, and uh, also noting that his, it was like a funk, you know, two hour funk workout, you know, it wasn't like, because uh, his records are quite different, you know, because they're, they're quite, they're mellow. A lot of the songs are kind of very laid back. Um, and then his, his live sets are like James Brown, you know? Yeah. Um, with these extended kind of medleys and, and uh, you know, hits where he, where he does the, holds up his hand and his, his band are, are following his hand and he's like a flick of the wrist and it's like a hit. And yeah. It's like, and so I was just watching him as a singer and a band leader, just like, just in awe, you know, just watching this and, and trying to learn basically as well. Yeah, I feel like that, you know, that uh, thing that he does where he's like 25 and a half and the band. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that is yeah. direct from James Brown. I love it. Yeah, uh, yeah. he keeps the band yeah. on their toes, you know, and they, and they you, you can see that they're they're enjoying it as well. Yeah. Um, another time uh, when Pino Pal Palladino was playing in, in, in a venue in Dublin called the Sugar Club, he was doing it. He was playing with a different band. Um, but I, I came up to him afterwards and I asked him what his favorite D'Angelo song was to play. And he just he thought for a second and he said, mm, all of them. Ah. <laughs> all of them, you know. Pino is my favorite bass player, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he's so good. He's so good. Um, what's that guy from Talking Heads? He wrote a book, uh, David Byrne. Like, I think it's called How Music Works. Mm -hmm. And there's one part in it where he, he talks about uh, the 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 strange the strangeness of of the fact that you're you're listening to a song at home on your headphones you know totally chilled out and then when you go see the band live it's you're expecting it to sound the same as that even though the setting is different you're you're in a different uh environment you know you're excited there's a different energy so and i th i think a lot of the time hearing bands live can be disappointing for that reason but then I, I feel like D'Angelo plays on that and he he knows okay this is this is different people people want to come out and have a good time Um, I mean look I, I would go and listen to D'Angelo play, play slow songs all day but but I but he maybe he prefers or or he, know, or he thinks that his band would prefer to do like funk workouts funk gospel workouts and and, you know, so he gives you a different experience, totally different experience. And I love that because, you know, because it's so different, you know, you, you don't, 
it's a unique kind of experience. Yeah, that's actually one of the things I'm looking forward to because I know that the live performance is going to be different from the album. And it's like, you, you don't know what you're going to get. So it's going to be a really unique, special, you know, experience. And it's that time he, like, again, like, oh, just just YouTube, YouTube, YouTube. I'm so grateful of these people for uploading these clips. But there's one, there's one where he does Brown Sugar and the band are playing the groove from Check the Rhyme by A Tribe Called Quest. Oh, yes. Yes. You know that one? That's so yes. good. It's like um, he's just doing a live mashup. And the band are just killing it. Like, and they're, they're, they're loving it. They're having fun. Yeah, I love it. 